uh, from and uh, you know uh, her message to us is to be uh, a good neighbor. Kim, if you want to click the slide again. Now, being a good neighbor takes the time, also takes the risk. Uh, we have to willing to spend time with people, and uh, sometimes it could be ris risky. But uh, may God give us wisdom uh, to take calculated uh, 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 risk to reach out to people. And uh, last week, uh, Elder Dean preached to us the three uh, harsh lessons, harsh truths in life. Uh, first one is, you know, not everyone is going to like you, but you are deeply loved by the only one that counts. And we all know who that only one is. And something or someone may break us uh, one a time in our life, but we will be made anew because the grace of God. Uh, this, I think... The book of Psalms says, a righteous man may fall seven times, but each time the Lord is going to help him get up. Okay? And, uh, did I miss one slide? There's one more lesson. Well, that slide is missing. I don't know what happened. Oh, then you remember that? What, which, which one? <laughs> the third lesson? Yeah. And prayer, I think prayer and perspective will help us. Yeah, prayer, planning, and perspective will help us. Good. All right. So thank you for that sermon. Very uh, practical, very relevant. Yeah. Okay, so we are back on Mark today, and uh, let's pray before we get into the verses. Lord, thank you for your uh, servants last, for the last two Sundays, preaching to us your truths in love, and I pray that today you will speak through me continually to this congregation, to this church, to mold uh, this church, to transform this church, uh, to make us more and more like you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay, so uh, still in chapter one, um, we're going to go slow on this. As I said, uh, we want to go deeper. So let's, 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 let's take it easy this year. Uh, go deeper into Jesus' life. Verse 16 says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen, right? So Sea of Galilee, we heard it all the time, right? So what is, what's special about this Sea of Galilee, right? What's, 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 how, how um, what, what's unique about this place? Now, uh, if you look um, at the shape of this lake, it looks like a, a harp, a lyre. Uh, that's how he gets his name in Hebrew, uh, Kinneret. Uh, but in uh, Greek, it's, it's uh, called Sea of Galilee. And it's about seven miles wide and 30 miles long. And uh, it's actually a few hundred feet below uh, the sea level. 
And so it's got some high mountains on the east side and uh, uh, some easier slopes on the west side. It's rich in fish. Um, and it fertilizes all the surrounding regions. And all these towns, I don't know if you can read them, Capernaum, Bethsaida, uh, Tiberias, all these are familiar, uh, famous biblical uh, names of the town surrounding this lake. And some of the, the names are uh, derived from, the, from fish. Okay, so they are famous, it's a, it's a place famous for, for fishing. And it's an it's a area that Jesus' uh, uh, main evangelism focuses on, right? Because there are Jewish settlements where Jesus would go first, and then he also visits some Gentile towns. And we're going to see that uh, in, uh, throughout the, the book of uh, uh, Mark. Okay, so uh, now he's at least uh, passing alongside. He's basically he's walking on the shore. And he saw uh, Simon and Andrew, okay, and they were fishermen. So they were casting uh, nets into the sea. So uh, when, you, when we hear the, the term fishermen, sometimes our image is like that they fish by, by using a line and a, and a bait and a hook, but it's not, that's not how they fished at the time. Uh, they fished by, by nets. Um, the net uh, is usually 20 feet in di diameter, so it's pretty big, it's circular. Uh, a, fish, a single fisherman like Peter will either stand on a boat or he will walk into the, the lake and he will cast out. And, and at least this net has all the weights, um, could be metals or rocks attached to the perimeter. So he will gather all the nets on his arms and he will uh, cast it out uh, in circular motion. and. Uh, the, the net will sink and trap other uh, uh, fish inside. So, um, yeah, so that's what uh, they were doing. And Jesus call, uh, saw them and he called them. And this is what he said to them. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And this is a unique command. Uh, Jesus was seen as, he, he was kind, people, Probably took him as one of the rab uh, rabbis, Jewish rabbis. But rabbis don't do this. Rabbis don't call people to follow them. Uh, usually a student will follow a rabbi out of his own will. Now he will select and he will apply for that school, uh, for that rabbi. And he will indicate his interest. Rabbi doesn't call people to, uh, to follow him. In fact, nobody throughout the Bible called people to follow him. Except one incident in the Old Testament and that's Elijah, Elijah uh, calling Elijah to, to follow him. So uh, by giving this command, Jesus portrays himself more like a, a prophet. And so the, the only parallel in the Old Testament is a prophet calling, uh, Elijah calling Elijah. Moses did not call people to follow him. David never called people to follow him. They called people, Moses asked people to follow Torah, to follow the law to follow the, the, the instructions of God, but, but nobody ever uh, in the Old Testament except Elijah uh, to call people to follow him. So that, that, that shows uh, the uniqueness of Jesus. Instead of asking people to follow the law, Jesus asked people to follow him, himself. Verse 18, 
and immediately they left the nest and followed him. So uh, it's quite significant because this is how they make uh, their living. It's very profitable business. Um, if you remember what Jesus said throughout the Bible, he, he never mentioned meat as the staple food. Remember, he said, if any one of you, which one of you, if you're a good father, when your son asks for a, a, a bread, you'll give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, and you'll give him a, a snake. So instead of meat, people were eating uh, fish that time. Fish was the main staple food. And fish from Galilee was exported all the way to Egypt and Syria. It's international business. So these fishermen are not only laborers, they are also businessmen. And they probably had good command of Greek. Um, uh, and they are not poor people. So Peter and Andrew are not poor people. They have some business. And they left their business to follow Jesus. Verse 19. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his father, who were in their boat, mending the nest. So uh, another pair of brothers, and this time uh, they're in their boat, mending the nest. Uh, it's probably their boat. And immediately Jesus called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Right, so they not only they own, you can, you can imply, this implies that they own this business. And the, the boat probably belonged to uh, Zebedee. Okay, so this time the previous uh, two brothers, they left the net. And these two brothers, they left not only the net, but also their father, their family. Okay. So a couple of lessons we can learn from today's uh, passage. This is Jesus' command to all of us. Follow me. Uh, when, when a student uh, wants to join a, a rabbi's group, he will apply. He will indicate his interest. But this is not the case with Jesus. Jesus calls people, and they follow right away. It shows his sovereignty. It shows his authority. And as I mentioned, in the Old Testament, leaders ask people, they always command people, commanding people to follow the law. But Jesus is not asking people to follow Torah, the law. Jesus said, follow me. Because he is the fulfillment of the law. He is the true interpretation of the law. As Christians, we are not called to follow the rigid legal system. We are to follow Jesus. And now we have this Holy Spirit indwelling in us who tell us how to interpret the law, how to follow the law the right, in the right way. Jesus is the personification, he's the fulfillment of Torah. He's the one, he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, he's the savior. He's the one that we should follow. Now this past, uh, the past three weeks I was in Taiwan, um, basically, uh, uh, spending time with my family and my mom. But, you know, during my spare, spare time, I tried to meet up with some old friends and new friends, and I tried to share the gospel with some of them. Um, 
And some people will get into arguments with Nietzsche. They will get into ideologies. They'll come up with Buddhist ideas. They'll come up with some other ideas about religion, about universe, about life and death. And I always try to avoid those arguments. I always try to move the conversation to Jesus. And I always try to introduce Jesus to me. In fact, this person I was talking to, I asked him to read the Gospel of John. You know, because you know, it's a unique gospel. Jesus speaking a lot. There's a, there are a lot of mono, monologues in the book. And I hope and I pray that Jesus will speak to him as he reads. A true follower of Jesus will see Jesus as a real person in his life. And I hope and I pray that each one of you, you have the true encounter with Jesus. You'll see him as a real person. Not some kind of ideals, not some kind of concept, not some kind of model, but you'll see him as real. I know some Christians, even though they call themselves Christians, they still cuss at Jesus. They still cuss the name of the Lord. Would you do that if you really see him as a real person? Would I cuss by Mandy's name? Would I say, Mandy Lao? Would I do that? <laughs> yeah. But some Christians do that, right? Jesus Christ, right? They cuss just like other people, just like unbelievers. But why would you do that if Jesus is truly real in your life? If you have true encounter with Jesus, if you see him and feel him and experience him as a real person in your life, you would not do that, would you? Just I wouldn't do that with my wife's name. Because Jesus is real. And I respect him. And I love him. So the number one definition of Christian is someone who follows Jesus. Follow the person. Encounter the person. The, re the, the resurrected Lord. That's the true encounter with the Lord. And obey him. And listen to him. And that's the definition of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus. Okay, the next lesson we can learn from this story. To follow Jesus is to value Jesus the most. Right? You see the, the two pairs of brothers did? The first pair, they left their nets and followed him. The second pair, James and John, they left not only the nets, but also the boat and Zebedee, their father. Now, I don't think... Following Jesus means you have to abandon your family or you abandon your business. I, I don't. I, I would not interpret these dispatches that way. Because if you read the, the other Gospels, you, you know Peter still kept the boat. He didn't. He didn't sell the boat, right? After Jesus died and resurrected, and they went back to Galilee, they, they started fishing again, waiting for Jesus to come. Right? He still had the boat, and Peter also did not abandon his family because. You know, during, during Jesus' ministry, they actually stayed with Peter, uh, Peter's mom. And actually, Jesus healed uh, his mom uh, on some diseases. So no, I don't think we are called to abandon our families by following Jesus. But we need to reprioritize. We have to see what is really important in our lives. You know, the ways of living, the business, the families, they come in second now. Jesus should come first. And foremost. Um, this means sometimes you may have conflicts. You may have differences with your loved ones, with people who influence you. 
and we have to take Jesus as a top priority. We are uh, an Asian American church. I know many of you, um, but I think all of you, you want to be, you want to show your loyalty to your parents. You want to take good care of them. Uh, and you want to obey them, right, as much as you do. I think this, this morning, uh, Sunday school, high schoolers were talking about parents. Uh, I was not invited, so I didn't, I didn't join. Um, sometimes we may disagree with parents, and uh, we have to follow Jesus' value. And, uh, and we should pray with God's wisdom that we will do the right thing for Jesus. Uh, even though sometimes you may offend our parents, and that takes a lot of wisdom and patience and love. So, uh, I used to give my mom red pockets. You know Chinese New Year we give red pockets? Um, I used to give um, my mom red pockets every time I, I see her. Um, but these years I, I changed because I realized all the money I gave to her, she didn't spend. She, she's just holding it. And she is not willing to spend even on necessary things. So because this frugality, her, her life quality was compromised. And I didn't like that. And I don't think it's right. I don't think that was healthy at all. So, so instead of giving money to her, I, I give less to her now, but I give most of the money to my sister uh, who will buy things for her. Uh, things that she will need, electricity, water, <laughs> repairs, house renovation, you know, things like that, health, health expenses, medical expenses. Yeah, uh, she, she could not save money there anymore. Now we're just, you know, we're, help, we're helping her uh, spend money in the right way. Um, there are other things you may come into conflicts or differences with your parents. Uh, but insist on Jesus' value, you know? Revere Jesus most, and he will give you wisdom. You know, how to negotiate, how to communicate with your, with your families. Um, and Jesus will help you. And that's when you see, that's when you know that he's real. He's a true God, and he knows our need, and he will help us, and he's always with us. All right, the last lesson, as disciples of Jesus, we have to fish people. I'll make you become fishers of men. Now, what's unique about this fishing business that time is, is it's a lot of effort. You know, it's, it's a lot of physical labor. Uh, it's the long hours, and sometimes it has no return. You cast a net, and you, you, you catch nothing. That happens a lot. Uh, so it takes a lot of rigor. It takes a lot of persistence and patience. And, uh, but why would people do that? Because the catch is very valuable, right? Fish is uh, a very valuable produce at the time. So even though nine out of 10 times you don't catch anything, but this one time you catch a, a good load and you make good profit. Now, that's a good analogy for this fishing business of men, of people. When we do outreach, when we, when we try to catch people for Jesus, it's a lot of effort, and it doesn't always pay off. In fact, most of the time, it doesn't pay off. Most of the conversation we have 
with people, we never convert them. Never ever. Last year we did joyful bounty. Uh, seven people said yes to Jesus. None of them came back to this church. Many of them said yes, I'll come back to this church. They never did. So we don't know why, why they say yes. We, we, I, I'm not even sure that yes is a true yes. That's between them and God. But you see this a lot. But that, that shouldn't stop us. That should not stop us. I have multiple conversations in these past three weeks, meeting up uh, some friends, and uh, I didn't convert anyone. One person was, I felt like he was close, but then, you know, he kind of backed off the last minute, and I, don't, I didn't want to push. But I want to keep the relationship. I want to spread the net. And I want to wait for the right time to pull the net and catch them. But this time was not the right time. But that doesn't, doesn't mean I should stop doing that. I should continue to do that. And maybe somebody, God will use somebody to catch them. And I don't remember what the data says. I, I think for a person to be converted, he needs to have multiple encounters with Christians. So we are not the only workers here. There are people working with us, sent by God to work on the cash. Uh, but, to, but when people meet with me, because they know I'm a pastor, they are curious and say, what, what, what makes you a pastor? And um, the funny thing is this time I didn't really know how to answer that question because I was reading this passage. And uh, I feel like I will be doing uh, Jesus a disservice if I try to point to a single incident I say, oh, that, that event converted me. Uh, that event changed me. Because looking back, I think Jesus was there all the time. I cannot point to one single thing to say, this is, I feel like he has loved me all the time. Even before I knew him, he has been answering my prayer even before I was a Christian. And I feel my whole life, Jesus spread the net for me, to catch me, the net of love, of kindness. So I was caught. I was caught a long time ago. I was caught first, and then I was called to follow him. I was caught by this entangling multiple relationships of love and kindness and mercy throughout multiple people and multiple stages of my life. I was caught a long time ago. And I think you are caught a long time ago too. Some of you, 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 are, you are the children of an elder or you are the children of a pastor. I don't know if you ever complain about that. But see, you are caught before you were born. You're caught. But this catching is, doesn't mean harm to you. Okay, fishing is actually a very bad image back in Old Testament. When in the Old Testament, in the, the book of Jeremiah, Amos, and uh, what's another book? Um, can you think of it right now? Three books use these images. It's always for judgment, right? I, I mean, if you look at this uh, image, it's not good for a fish to be caught, right? If, if you get caught, you die and you'll be eaten. But 
this just use image to 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 say the otherwise. This net is to catch people out of love, to snatch them before the coming judgment of God. Because the second coming of Jesus, the full, the, the full and complete arrival and kingdom of God means judgment. And we have to catch people before that. Out of God's love. Catch them in God's grace. So that they can be shown mercy. So that they can escape that judgment. They can know how to repent and turn to God so they can avoid this horrible, horrible judgment. And you and I, we are caught for that. We are caught by God's love, by all these entangling relationships, by our parenthood, to escape the judgment. Yes, all of us, we are caught by God's love. This net, this, uh, Michelle led us to read the scripture this morning, this band of love and call the kindness of God. We are caught by that. In the book of John, Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. We are caught. Do you, did you ever wonder why these four disciples never said no? When, when Jesus called them, they immediately followed him. They are caught. Jesus is the fisher. He's the first fisher of men. He has fished them already. He has caught them already. Do whatever mysterious, mysterious way, but loving ways nonetheless. And we are caught the same way. It could be mysterious, but it's always our love and mercy and kindness that Jesus wanted to catch us. And we are caught by his love. And because we are caught, and therefore now we are called. We are called to do the same. To spread this net for people around us. To catch people for God. To show people around us the love of God. To save them, believe it or not, to save them from the coming judgment. You don't have to convert people every single time you talk to them. You don't have to be the, the one who's making the other call. You don't have to. But we have to keep that relationship going. I used to make other calls a lot in China. I, 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 when my family and I lived in Hong Kong, I would go in every year and I would do evangelism. I would call people. But later on, I feel like that thrill, and yeah, every time I call, there are people raising their hands. But I found that that thrill doesn't last long. It's not that rewarding. It's not that fulfilling. And I realized what's more rewarding and fulfilling is I keep the relationship. I keep, if I keep the relationship with the people I call, if I keep the relationship with the people I minister to, that's more fulfilling and rewarding. So I encourage you to build those relationships, to foster, to nourish the relationships. If God, if God gives you a strong motivation, you, you can call them, you can try to convert them, but it doesn't, most of the time it doesn't happen. But it's okay. We should keep those relationships. We should keep those influences. And people will be, you know, we're spreading the net. But we don't have to be the one pulling the net. We're hoping God spreading the net to catch people. But we don't have to always be the ones pulling the net. 
coming since another person to put an end. We, we have an auntie in Hong Kong. We've been sharing good news with her, and she was always reluctant. And uh, Pastor Lai went back to Hong Kong and had a meeting with her, and he called her, and she said yes. Now, sometimes God will prepare a special person to do the job. We don't have to be the person. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do the work. We shouldn't, shouldn't spread the net. So I encourage you today to think about how you may spread the net for people around you, to work with God, to catch them by God's love, to save them from the judgment, to help them repent, to turn to Jesus, to inherit the eternal life, and to live that eternal life, to experience the fruit of that resurrected life, even now. I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for choosing us. Thank you for catching us with your net of love and kindness and mercy. You have loved us before the creation. You have decided to love us and you have decided to save us. The, the reason why we're standing here to serve you, to worship you, is all because of you. It's all because of grace. So let us express this gratitude by showing the same kind of love for people around us. By doing our due diligence, by spreading the net, by building relationship, by reaching out to people, through words, through actions of love, to share you, to lead people, to encourage them, to influence them, so that they will follow you one day, too. Help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's, let's stand and pray for our offering, and then we'll lead into the final response song. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you for your provisions. Thank you for giving us resources to um, take care of our families and our needs and also bless those around us. May you help us to be cheerful giver and you bless those um, the offerings um, to, um, to catch people um, when they're ready, Lord. And in Jesus' name I pray, 